This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Father, I pray tonight that you're going to open this word to us, the, the depth of what I want to bring, Lord. I, I'm, a, uh, I'm in awe of, of what you've laid out here as I've been learning. Father, I pray that you're going to speak to us, and Lord, that your word is going to come alive in us. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, open uh, up what we need to see to help us grow. In Jesus' name, amen. It's been an interesting week for me as I'm prepared to preach last week on some things I'd never really seen before. This coming weekend, I'm going to take you into the depth of, of a hidden truth in the, in the, 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 all the way from Psalms, crucifixion, and resurrection, and why you'll never walk in the power of the resurrection until you've been by the cross. And the cross is important to all levels, to the lost, and the cross is important to the new believer. The cross is important to the growing believer. And the cross, a regular visit to the cross, is important in the mature believer. Amen. I'm going to show you that you'll never walk in that resurrection power until you learn these truths. And so you don't want to miss that. And in the middle of all that, God uh, just brought me into a study. And, and as I was, I was in this study and having some stuff uh, sewn into my life and, and I just began to receive these things and then began to uh, make notes and things. Um, I, I just really, really felt strongly uh, that tonight was a good time to bring this. So Genesis chapter 2, we're going to start in verse number 1. We're going to read nine verses and we're going to skip down a little ways. It says, So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. And on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation. Listen to this. So he rested. He did what? From all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and he declared it what? Holy. Because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. It was holy because God did his work of rest on that day and made it holy. Now stay with me. This then is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. Now what we realized is that in chapter one, we're talking about uh, a generalized history of, of the entire of creation. All right. And so what we have here then is that uh, God, people say, well, that God created people in chapter one and then he creates somebody in chapter two. But the problem with that is what we're understanding here is that, that, that what's going on is we went from the story of the creation of everything to now we're going to deal with the story of man in chapter two. And so beginning in chapter two, this is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. But when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth. And there were no people to cultivate the soil. So instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. And then we're seeing that the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He made him from what? From dust we have come to dust we shall return. And then he breathed the breath of life. This is the spirit of the living God. He, he breathed a spirit inside of the man's nostrils. And the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted the, a garden in Eden in the east. Now, it may sound like I'm going to lose you a minute, but stay with me. And there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life 
and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse number 15. The Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. He put him there to do something in the garden. Can I tell you that God put him in the garden to care for the garden? We've always looked at the garden as a place to care for him. But God put him into the garden with an assignment. Can I tell you, you have an assignment. When you look at the things that God has done, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm about to say to you. When you look at him thinking what about what God has done for you, now listen to me, this is important. Thinking about what God has done for you, and all you are thinking about is what God's going to continue to do for you, you will never walk in the power and the victory of the Holy Spirit that God's called you to. Because God didn't call you to take, God called you to take a dominion, and God called you to go and begin to do something. And he said, I'm going to create an opportunity. An opportunity for you to do something for my glory. It does not glorify God when we come to church like we go to the all-you-can-eat buffet saying, give me more, give me more. Come on now. Am I the only one who's ever seen that chocolate fountain and thought about sticking my head under it? (laughs) How many of you know that that does not glorify God? It's no different when you come to God's house and all you want to do is eat, 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 and you never want to give, 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 and put it to work in your life and let God cause you to become fruitful and multiply. Amen. I'm not even there yet and I'm already preaching. Stay with me. The Lord placed the man in the garden and he gave him an assignment. He gave him a what? You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stay away from that tree. Everything else is yours. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. I want to teach you about the place God places you for your assignment. Eden was not a destination. Eden was an assignment. I feel... I fear that people come to church thinking that the simple destination is to pray a prayer and then live like you want to. But God didn't call you to come pray a prayer and live like you want to. God called you to pray a prayer of faith. Let God save your soul. And then for you to stand up and become a righteous generation, a holy priesthood, a people peculiar and zealous of good works. I wish somebody would help me preach it here tonight because I feel what I've come to tell you. Somebody said, why are you fired up, pastor? Because I feel this assignment. You're on an assignment. I'm here on an assignment tonight. I've come to tell you a few things about Eden that will help you understand your assignment. First, Eden was good, but it was not yet fully glorious. Eden was a good place to be, but it didn't look like anything like God intended for it to look like. My goodness, I could just take off, but stay with me. Eden was bright. Eden was beautiful. And we tend to, tend to think of it in terms of perfection. But rather than think of Eden in terms of perfection, now think about this. We think of it like this is all they're supposed to be. This is the way it's supposed to be. Can I just tell you that some people, my goodness, I feel what I'm about to say, are putting up with dead, dry churches and dead, dry sermons because they think the church is supposed to be perfect, perfect, perfect the way it is. But God didn't call us to do church as normal. God called us to be the church of the living God where he comes down and he dwells among us and he does something in us 
that changes what we can do into what only God can do. You don't believe me? Well, when we can do it, we can pack the room by, by tweaking things a certain way, making things look a certain way, and if you feed them all tacos, they all come. Come on, amen. But that's not what I'm talking about. I want people to show up to say, I don't know about you, but I felt something in that place. I felt God change my life. I saw God save a soul. I saw God open blind eyes. You see, Eden wasn't perfect. Eden had potential. Am I making sense? Somebody go, uh-uh. Tonight's sermon and Sunday's sermon, two different levels. Stay with me. Last week, I got to win a lot of people to Jesus. Tonight, I'm trying to perfect the saints. If you think you're already perfect, you are mistaken. What you are is a vessel of potential. Am I making sense? I don't know, some little song came back to me from when I was a kid in children's church. I am a promise. Come on, anybody know that song? I am a possibility. That came up in my spirit just as I was saying that to you. Some of you think, well, it says as good as, I mean, I'm saved. There's nothing better. No, what you need to do is realize the Bible has called you to live with potential. Certainly Eden was pure and it was pristine and it was order filled. But Eden that we read about in Genesis 1 and 2 wasn't yet everything God intended for his creation to be. It was unsullied, but it was incomplete. You are not a finished product yet. You have been called to move from glory to glory to glory to grow up in Jesus, to know what the anointing of God means, to know what it means to walk in the presence of the living Father. Well, I'm saved, Pastor. Well, you're saved, but are you living saved? Are you full of the power of the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm full of some spirit. No, I said of the Holy Spirit. Watch what I'm about to say to you. This is truth. You'll be full of of some spirit, it'd be better if it's the Holy Spirit. You see, we may be washed, but we're not done yet. I was somewhere the other day, and Christine and I were just, we were kind of wanting a, a quiet moment, and we sat down next to another couple, and we didn't know these people, and, and and I just, I don't know, I just, it's what I do. I just said hello. I, we never got another word in the rest of the night to each other. But he showed me his barn find. Uh, I think it was a, a, it was a Chevy. Um, oh, my goodness. Um, sorry, I don't, I don't know Chevys. Uh, <laughs> not a Camaro, not an Imp not a Chevelle. Dad had one of these at one point. A, a, a Nova. And how this barn find looked. And he showed me the picture of what it looked like when he rescued it from the dirt. And then he showed me what it looked like after he cleaned the dirt off of it. 
And what it looked like when he rescued it from the dirt was rough. 30-something, 40 years in a barn. What it looked like washed was better. But what it looked like when, I don't even know what all he described that he put on it. But there was chrome. And there was, I just love when God shows you where you're going with something. There was a new motor. There was a new drive. There was new, new everything you needed for that thing to get turned on to become what the potential that he saw it could be. And I realized I saw the progress from the barn find in the dirt to the machine that he dreamed it could be. Can I tell you that God took us and he cleaned us up and then he began to put within us the power of the spirit, the victory of Christ. He put on us a, a, an armor that comes from God, a shield of faith, a sword of the spirit, a breastplate of rights. Our feet walk in peace. We have truth wrapped around. You might have been found looking like somebody laying in a ditch somewhere. But now you walk in looking like a warrior who's ready to rise up and become what God has called you to be. Amen. I told you I was going to mess with you tonight. We're still talking about Eden. Eden was not done. It had potential. It was not meant to be static. From the very beginning, listen to what I'm about to tell you, Eden was headed somewhere. One of the reasons you end up in trouble is because you have no destination. The scripture says of Abraham that he went around looking for a city. He was looking for where he really belonged because he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was the Lord. Can I tell you tonight that part of the problem is we belong too much in the dirt, but we have been rescued from the dirt and we need to lift up our eyes and start looking for a place where we really fit because I don't fit in who I used to be anymore. Some of you are like, we came Sunday and he was quiet and funny. And I was reaping in the harvest. But now I'm cleaning up the saints. My God is good. Eden was abundant, but it wasn't yet expansive. Genesis 1.28, the Lord said, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and what? And he said, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Listen to me very quickly. Clearly, there was an expansion project in the works. Adam and Eve were told, keep the garden and then be fruitful and multiply. When they kept the garden, they would be, what's the one I'm about to say, making room for what they had increased. So Eden was designed to grow. Eden was designed to not stay within its boundaries. What's the word say? That in the last days, the glory of the earth shall, the glory of the Lord shall what? Cover the earth. 
It was God's will in the beginning that he put man in a garden that man would tend. And as man grew and as man multiplied, the garden would grow. And as the garden would grow, the glory that God had created would cover the earth until the earth was filled with a righteous generation of people who knew how to worship God. Pastor, what does that have to do with me? It has a lot to do with us as a body of Christ. God did not call us to perfect our little selves over here and keep our walls shut. He called us to be fruitful and multiply. That when we become a people who serve God the way that we're supposed to, one day this church should not hold us. This church, we should come in and somebody ought to be in our seat. As a matter of fact, if you come in Sunday and somebody's in your seat, don't you say a word. You smile, you be nice. <laughs> Shouldn't have to tell Christians this, but I do. You smile, you be nice. And if there's not another seat, you can have mine because I don't need it long anyways. Come on now. If there's not enough room, some of you who want to prove how young and spry you are can fill the altars and sit down right there. Why? Because is it not better for us to expand and become? No, no, Pastor, it's about us and ours. No, it is not about us and ours because I'll tell you what will happen. When you make it about us and ours, you'll find out that ours is not going to stay the way they're supposed to be. They're going to end up growing cold and growing weary and falling out of the church. But if we make it about the kingdom of God expanding all over the earth before long we won't have six campuses we'll have more campuses and more campuses why? because we'll be doing what God's called us to do increasing and multiplying my goodness thank you for saying amen tonight thank you for not acting like me because I might just run I came by Blaine back there I said don't you behave tonight I needed somebody helping me Amen. Y'all are with me tonight. Listen, the glory of Adam's and Eve's rule would be royal and it would increase the garden the Lord had built. You see, Eden was completely good, but it wasn't some completely secure. This is important. As good as the original garden of Eden was, it was vulnerable to evil. It was vulnerable to deception and even to death. Now, let me just stop there. The reason that many of you fall aside and get distracted by false doctrines that don't make sense is because you stopped advancing in your spiritual growth. Don't get quiet on me now. You stop advancing in what God called you to advance in. You stop being who God chose you to be. And what happens is when you're not advancing, the enemy will sneak in and watch this. This became obvious when we consider the fact that Satan inhabited the body of a serpent and he brought death into the pristine garden. In Revelation 21, 
Not John looked and I beheld, as it were, the, the new Jerusalem descending out of heaven as a bride adored for her husband. And I heard a great voice. My goodness, I just love that chapter. And I'm about ready to quote the whole thing to you. Come on now. Listen to me. This is what Revelation 21 tells us. John takes care. I may not be able to get it all word for word right, but I've got enough of it memorized. Why? Because when I get weary, I need to think about it. In that city, there will be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sorrow nor tears. For woo, Come on now. Because he, I heard a voice out of heaven say, Behold, I have made all things new, and I will dwell with these people, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And whosoever is thirsty may come and drink freely from the water of life. Come on, amen. Listen to me. Revelation 21, 27 says this, speaking about the new, the new place that God is going to move us into. Nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. We have to be on our guard because the enemy's constantly trying to come in to divide and distract and hinder us and to stop the progression of the garden. Pastor, would you just preach like normal? No, I am preaching what God gave me tonight. I'm on assignment. I think this is powerful. Eden had a rhythm of work and then rest, but not yet unending rest. This is important. You see, God did his work of creation, and then he did what? He rested. In his rest, God was setting before Adam something to look forward to when he accomplished his work of subduing the earth. When he had exercised dominion over the earth and he filled it with image bearers, there was an eternal rest waiting for him. Until the image of Christ filled the earth, there was no rest for Adam to have a, an eternal rest. He just had the rest of the Sabbath until, listen to me now, until he would see the earth filled, he would have to keep working. He had a job. He had an assignment. He had to keep going. Can I tell you that what we come to on Sunday morning is part of that Sabbath rest that we have in Christ. In other words, when we gather together in the body of Christ and we're weary and we're tired and, and we don't know how to go on, but we begin to worship together. And my goodness, as they began to sing tonight, the joy of the Lord began to fill my soul. And I felt a refreshing of the Lord. As we come together, I find a rest that comes from God. But let me tell you, you should not take an eternal rest until you bear the image of God in your life. Let me just back it up. We don't have time to rest until we defeat the areas that look like the old man. <laughs> let me say this. Had Adam faithfully finished the work, he and Eve and their offspring would have entered a permanent Sabbath rest. But this is what I'm about to say to you. Some of us are ready to rest, but we have not yet worked. Now, somebody taught me something as a young man, and I've learned it is a true statement. They said, when you, when you go to work a hard job, find the laziest man in the room. He will find the easiest way to get it done. I'm telling you, it works. If I'm standing next to you next time we're doing something hard, don't take it personal. I just think you're smart enough to get it done right. Come on, amen. 
But listen to me. But what will happen sometimes is some people will show up to work. Now, Jake, you've never seen anybody like this. They'll show up to work, but then they're ready to go for coffee. And they're ready to go get a biscuit. Come on now. I'll never forget when we built the sanctuary. I had a, had a, a, a construction man come to me. And he said, he said, Pastor, I want you to know. He said, I'm so glad this job's over. I said, well, 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 I hope it wasn't that bad. He said, oh, it was. I said, what are you talking about? He said, he said, you expected the construction people to show up when they said they were coming and to do what they said they were going to do in the time they said they were going to do it. He said, and everybody knows that doesn't happen. He said, but you just fired him and found somebody else. Come on, amen. I said, well, I thought if they weren't honest with their word, they wouldn't be honest with their work. When you start talking about, well, I just need a little break. And you've not yet sweated tears over lost people. You're not grown up enough yet. I'm burnt out on Jesus. No, you never get burnt out on Jesus. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over again. The days get sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. Come on now, I feel what I'm telling you tonight. Why? Because it's not about, I might be wore down, I might need to, but part, mm, I love when the Holy Ghost ties it together. Part of the problem is you're not investing in the temporary rest. So you are feeling like you need to move into your eternal rest. And that's why you're satisfied with your spiritual condition the way it is. But you know what? If you're going to have a change, it's going to require some work. You're going to have to look at where you are and say, God, I'm not going to look this way next year. Something different is going to change. Am I preaching truth? You go, Pastor, you just fired up. Well, Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, for they were not yet as glorious as God intended them to be. You see, David wrote about the first man. He said, you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and you crowned him with glory and honor. What we understand in Psalms 8, 5, that what he's saying is, clearly Adam and Eve, having been made in God's image, had a measure of his glory. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say to you. Had they obeyed, this is important, they would have been transformed from one degree of glory to another. If they had overcome the test, they would have come out at a different level. Pastor, you're meddling now. Let me just say it this way. We, we don't say, well, I'll just try it. Give me a little bite of it. We say, he'll forgive me. Could it be possible you don't walk in the power of the Holy Spirit the way that you want to because you've not overcome the test? You've let areas of compromise stay in your life that you know have no business. What do you expect when the pastor tells you he came to work on the body and clean it up a little bit? You know what I've been finding myself doing in my prayer times? My prayer times have totally changed. First off, I'm praying what I challenge you to pray. You pray those five blessings. God, bless my children. God, bless my finances. 
God, bless my relationships and heal them. God, bless my emotions. I'm, I'm telling you, I feel like some of you, you would not have half as much anxiety if you pray the blessing I've been telling you to pray. And then God, bless the call upon my life. Let me walk into its fullest. And as I've been praying that, God's been doing something in me, but it's changed the posture of my prayer. I'm not at my normal holy posture. I'm literally at this, and I'm going, give me clean hands. Because every move I'm making through prayer, I'm saying, God, you see what needs to change inside of me. When you preach and the anointing runs over your body, you lay hands on the sick and you see them healed. God speaks to you in the word. Listen to what I'm about to say to you. It does not change the fact that you still struggle. And you're not done yet. God's still trying to grow you up and grow you into who he's called you to be. None of us are there yet. If you feel like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm closer than them, you're probably further than them. What you do is you begin to compare yourself against him. But we grow, and we see people struggling with things we beat. But then we realize that what we have to fight now would have destroyed us when we were dealing with what they're dealing with. See, transfer from one degree of glory to another. God has a plan, and it still remains God's plan for those made in his image. Even now, what we realize in Philippians 3.20 says this, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for the return of a Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into his glorious bodies like, or into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power in which he will bring everything under his control. There's something happening in us that's working toward what God has in store for us. Now let me hurry. Trying to watch the clock tonight. I, I literally could have turned this into a series. Adam and Eve were naked, but they were not yet robed in royal splendor. When we read in Genesis 2, this is one of the things I found most interesting, that Adam and Eve were naked in Eden. It may initially seem to be a good or neutral thing, but Moses' original readers would have recognized that something was lacking. I want you to get this. These were royal representatives of the great king. And in scripture, royal representatives always were dressed in royal robes. I want you to think about Joseph's coat of many colors, the robe that Jonathan gave to David, the robe and the ring that was given to the prodigal son. Anytime you represented one in royalness, there was always, listen to me carefully, there was always, they were dressed in royal robes. The report of their nakedness indicates a need for a royal clothing which would have been given to them had they faithfully exercised dominion. But instead of growing in their clothing, Adam and Eve lost what they did have on, and that was the original glory that had covered them. Could it be that we exchange the purity we receive at salvation for the darkness that tries to creep back into our lives? You see... Their nakedness before God was unbearable because they sought to cover themselves because they had lost the glory. And you cannot maintain the glory of God when you're willing to live as you are and try to stay the same and accepting sin into your life. 
Adam and Eve enjoyed one flesh intimacy, but their bond was vulnerable to brokenness. This is this wonderful couple that we hear, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, but the same two people were naked and unashamed. Suddenly we find that they are ashamed trying to cover themselves up. They're not only trying to cover themselves up from God, they're trying to cover themselves up from each other. This same husband held out his hand and had said, at last, the one that I have waited for now says in Genesis 3, 12, well, that woman you gave to me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. He went from saying, I love you and I adore you to what have you done to me? Listen to what I'm about to say to you. I feel this divinely. When you start attacking the body of Christ, Instead of thanking God for the gift of the body, odds are you've lost the glory on your life. And you're comparing yourself against others. When I realize that I don't have any right to stand here. I don't have any right to stand there. And I don't have any right to walk through those doors. But what I do have has been granted to me by the righteous covering of the Lord Jesus Christ. That when I have fallen, His covering comes on me. And when God sees me, He sees Jesus. And when God sees you, He doesn't see your brokenness. He doesn't see your sin. He sees the blood of Jesus. Jesus that covers you in the glory of the Son of God. Amen. You see, this is where I wanted to get you to. Ever since the first marriage went wrong, God has been working trying to perfect his bride. And Eden is a picture of what he wants to bring us into and a work that he has assigned us to, to grow and expand his glory on the earth. And you go, well, God couldn't have an assignment for me. Every one of us have an assignment. If one of us doesn't have an assignment, none of us have an assignment. Listen to what I'm about to say to you, because the enemy will have won if none of us have an assignment. But we were created in the image of the Father with an assignment, and that assignment is to grow and grow and grow until we become one with Christ. I'm jumping way ahead. But you see that oneness with Christ. The Bible says the Lord our God is what? One. The Lord our God is what? One. That there's unity. And when you're walking in disunity, you're not walking in the connection that God intended for you to walk in. Because we should be growing in Him and with each other to be like Him until this garden increases and increases and increases. Pastor Don, you don't understand. We're living in the last days. In the last days, there shall be perilous times. Yes, there shall be perilous times. But would you not agree when, when frogs were climbing out of the river and jumping all over the thing and hell was falling out of heaven and, and all these bugs were descending upon the land and there was fire and, 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 and people died? Wouldn't you declare that was a pretty rough time? But in the middle of that, there was a land called Goshen. There was a place for God's people that flourished and prospered. Can I tell you the reason I'm trying to tell you is that times are going to be tough and there's going to be confusion and there's going to be sin and your family needs you to create a garden of the presence of the living God around your home. So why? So that when the tough times come they'll say, why are you still standing? And you'll say, we're covered in the blood of the Lamb. That's why we're still standing. Amen. 
Would you stand with me tonight? I'll give you these last few as quick as I can. This was judgment day when, G when God came walking in the garden. I've always, I've been thinking about this a lot. And a lot of people assume he did this every day. But he came walking in the cool of the day. This was judgment day. And for Adam and Eve, it was also eviction day. Because they could no longer live in the holy sanctuary of Eden because they had become unholy people. How dare we think we can live like we want to and still have the power of a living God within us. God sent me with a message tonight. Pastor Don, it sounds like you've been angry. I'm not angry. I'm calling for righteousness. I'm calling for holiness. I'm calling for people. Why? Because when we stand under His glorious grace, heaven will increase on this earth. The earth will hate us. But one of the reasons they will hate us is because we will flourish when others fail. Is it just this church? No. It's any blood-bought saint who wants to serve Him in the beauty of holiness. Pastor, I don't know if I agree with you. Without This is the word. Without holiness, no one shall see the Lord. Adam and Eve could have gained the knowledge of good and evil without eating from the forbidden tree. In other words, listen to me, they could have eaten and lived and understood. People go, well, that tree is what made them know that. No, the tree was not evil. It was only evil because it was forbidden. If you stop doing what you know God doesn't want you to, you're going to realize something. You'll start realizing that he's got a plan for you and what you used to want will look like pig slop compared to what he's offered you. Eden had a tree of life, but Adam and Eve were prohibited from eating from it. Revelation 2 says, says that the tree of life will be ours again, and it's only for those who overcome and conquer. It doesn't say for those who skate in. It says for those who overcome and conquer. That's what I'm looking for tonight. Some people who are ready to overcome. Who will stop letting the devil so easily set you aside, knock you down, and cause you to lose your faith. They will shake themselves and say, I will be an overcomer by the word of my testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Father, tonight I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your anointing. God, I thank you that there's a new heaven and a new earth and the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth. All the nations, according to the word of God, says, all the nations will come and fall before you. You will rule that earth with an iron rod. And for those who have washed themselves in the blood of the Lamb, they shall be joint heirs with you, and they shall rule and reign upon this earth. It, Lord, I thank you. And your word says they shall, watch this church, pray with me, they shall be filled and covered with the glory of the Lord. Lord, oh, to grow from glory to glory to glory until that glorious day when we see what you intended this earth to be. 
How many of you would pray with me now, Lord, you see what's in my life that shouldn't be there. You see the things that are not pleasing to you. Give me clean hands. I'm turning my hands up to him. Give me a pure heart. Let me not turn my soul toward another. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And renew a right spirit within this people of the living God. Cast us not away from your presence, O oh God. And I declare what David wrote of old. These broken bones shall dance again. We shall rejoice. And we shall stand among the congregation of the righteous and declare the Lord's goodness and his praise. I declare that the grave will not silence my voice. That we shall declare on both sides that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Come on, say it with me. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen and amen. Come on, give God a praise tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, I took you on a deep dive tonight. I hope the Lord spoke to your heart. Sunday, we're going to go up and win some lost people. Come on now, can I get an amen? amen? Now, I want your help with that. If you have social media, you go find the graphic, share it, and tell them what service you're going to be in, and invite them to come be with you. Tell them you're going to save them a seat, or you'll give them yours if necessary. God bless you in Jesus' name. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.